0: Welcome to Any Honey and the Newt!
1: And this time we're going to be spending some time looking at the relationships that players have with each other. So the player player relationship. We've been uh, talking this season about love of the game from the fans' perspective, from the players' perspective, and we're looking at the notion and theme of love and relationships more broadly. So now let's actually talk about some interpersonal relationships rather than just kind of abstraction and and, uh, at a distance.
0: The human-human stuff. Let's get into it. Nice. So um, I guess I'll kick it off with... um... You know, we hear a lot on social media, and I guess from the media, right, that obviously these players have relationships outside of their on-court personas, uh, but they also have relationships on the court as well. There's this idea that as teammates, um, you have to have a certain amount of chemistry to be able to perform the the duties of the game. Uh, the chemistry also plays into team success. Um, And then there's how well, you know, so that chemistry can play into how well these players mesh with each other. And I guess my question is, um, do you think that that teammate chemistry leads to like real deep personal connections? Like if you and I are teammates and we play really well together, are you and I then obligated essentially to become friends afterwards?
1: I am curious about. Uh, well, I'm curious on one hand what we even mean by chemistry. That's a term that gets thrown out around a lot, and I think generally it means that it means a couple of things. Sometimes people use it to mean that that people like each other and get together. You know, get, get a, a, a mindset of t- togetherness or like camaraderie, uh, and that they therefore the team spirit helps them run plays better or or understand each other and and where can anticipate each other's moves a little bit better. Or maybe chemistry is something like um, they've figured out the mechanics of working together, and then everybody knows their role and their spot. And so it's just a matter of familiarity with with the system. But that doesn't require really a whole lot of interpersonal relationships. Part of me is curious what we mean by chemistry. And is it supposed to cover both circumstances and maybe others as well? Uh, Or is there something in particular that we mean by chemistry?
0: Yeah, I like that you broke it down that way. I've always thought of chemistry as as essentially like knowing what your roles are, right? But then I started thinking about in the NBA, everybody knows what they can and can't do on the court. Like they are so practiced, so disciplined that they essentially know what they're capable of, and so like team success doesn't depend on everybody doing their job like it does to some extent but I, I to me chemistry especially at this level is really about like how well each other can anticipate others on the court while also simultaneously being able to execute these functions so it's like i think of it as a little bit of both uh, do you agree with that
1: yeah i It's difficult to say, because you would think that over the course of a season, every team's chemistry, quote unquote, is going to get better if all a matter of it is, is familiarity and practice, right? If it's just a matter of knowing your sets, knowing where you're supposed to be and getting used to reading each other's, you know, unique moves or temperaments, like that seems like something that's going to come that will obviously increase over time, the longer that players play together. And we do talk about chemistry in that sense when we say that a new team bringing players together takes some time to develop chemistry. I think, I think that's what we're referring to is this familiarity with each other's style of play and how how they'll fit into a system. But there's also like some people get along and don't get along. And that mm-hmm. is supposed to change their own core dynamics. But if everybody's a professional and, and fulfilling their role and using their talents to To the best of their ability, like it's not clear why that should matter. Why Why should liking or disliking your teammates affect the quality of play? So if that's what we mean is some kind of uh, less rigorous sense of chemistry, where the relationships or bonds between them has some kind of effect in the game. Like that's that would be more uh, 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 an interesting mystery, I think, to explore.
0: Yeah, that's sort of like a meta layer that people don't talk about in basketball or at least in the NBA coverage, right? Like everybody experiences like a work colleague that they just, that's like, just rubs them the wrong way. And that friction between two people can result in a whole bunch of essentially negative performance outcomes, right? Like if you don't want to be around them, you're, you're not going to want to communicate with them effectively or you're going to be more likely to interpret or misinterpret the things that they say and vice versa, right? You might phrase something a certain way in a way, you know, to get them in trouble or to have them misinterpret what you're trying to say so that you can, you know, get back at them for whatever purpose. So all that friction plays out, you know, in the workplace. And I think you talked since you talked about professionalism, I would I would argue that these same things happen on the court. Um, you talk about instances where uh, players get into fights with each other on the same, like obviously it happens in the heat of the competition, but when it happens on the same team, the team thinks of that as like a negative situation. I You'll remember this better than me, but there was a situation in Chicago a few years ago, uh, I think while you were living there, I want to say it was between Bobby Portis and Nikolo Miritich. It's, yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah. Yeah, and he, uh, Portis punched Miritich. Uh, do you remember the circumstances that led to that like fight?
1: So they were both playing for playing time at the same position, the fourth, the four spot, and, in, and Miritich was the more talented offensive player and more seasoned he'd played some professional basketball in Europe, so he had the leg up, but Portis definitely thought he was better than Miritich and thought Miritich was weak, so... Uh, in the scrimmages in practice, um, they were being pretty rough with each other. And there were some times, I don't remember if it was Mirtich showed Portis up or if Portis um, was trying to make a point and get aggressive with Mirtich. But eventually there was like a hard foul in the practice and uh, led to Portis punching Mirtich. I Did he fracture his cheek or something like he... I remember it, it resulted in both of them not being able to play because right. Miritich was injured and Portis was suspended.
0: Right, Portis was suspended. I remember Miritich not playing for a while. I, he might have fractured his cheek because when he came back, he had the face mask. Um, yeah. And also, but he didn't come back, not even right away, because he didn't play with the Bulls for a while. And then they ended up trading him to the Pelicans. He
1: did come back briefly with the Bulls, but it was obvious so that it wasn't going to work. Like. Right. Yeah.
0: So I just bring this up to kind of illustrate like the, the negative side of things when, when the chemistry is just not building another good example of this is uh the Knicks from the early 2000s. I know I love to talk about the Knicks. Anthony is such a Knicks stand. <laughs> Homer. Uh, Homer, yeah, exactly. But um, you think about those teams, they had all the talent in the world. You know, Jamal Crawford in his prime, Stephon Marbury in his prime, Zach Randolph in his prime. This is a team that should have been a perennial playoff contender. And for whatever reason, you know, uh, I think some of those guys actually did have pretty good relationships, um, but there was a lot of friction in the locker room. You know, it was reported in the media constantly. And especially with certain coaches, you know, we're talking player player right now, but even like, uh, you know, front office coached coaching relationships, those can lead to friction too. And, you know, once you have too much negativity um, I think it all kind of boils over and manifests in, in many different ways.
1: That's good. I think, I think from our conversation, I'm feeling more comfortable in saying that chemistry refers to three different things, three distinct aspects. And it's kind of the umbrella term because um, we don't always like to call out or presume which of the three factors is is at play. So when when analysts and commentators are talking about team chemistry, I think they're allowing it to be ambiguous among these three things so that they don't have to necessarily put a finger on something personal or whatever but so the three things one of it would be the uh learning the system and learning to play together like just mechanically like learning that team's system working for that coach knowing your roles and being at your spot on the designated time remembering you know the tendencies and things like that so that's that's kind of a mechanical practice kind of thing then there really is a thing about like different players especially star players have a little bit more preferential ability to to handle the game through their style of play. Mm -hmm. So if people have different styles of play and those aren't compatible, like maybe you've got two or three ball handlers on the team that all like to have the the ball in their hands and of course only one person can have it at a time, uh, that could cause chemistry issues in the sense that there's a a misfit between the styles of play. Or there can be a fit. Maybe the styles of play perfectly complement each other and then they exceed expectations of just the mechanical system building. And then probably the third piece is the interpersonal, like these guys like each other. These guys don't like each other and and whatever those causes and reasons are, it, it impacts their communication. It impacts their willingness to, to put out, uh, put the effort in for other players. Maybe it affects their willingness to to pass the ball or to cooperate. I assume that in a game where the goal is to win and they're going to be on the stage in front of an audience, everybody's going to do their best to in the end for the most opportune uh, thing in the moment. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you always make the best decision. If you're not looking towards, you know, like I don't want to get that person involved or whatever.
0: Yeah. I totally agree with everything you're saying. And you made me think of two things. Um, The first uh, maybe we can address this a little later, is this this threshold. you mentioned like the chemistry between the players, um, the relationships between the players. You know, if it's negative, it might make you react uh, disadvantageously from the team's perspective um, towards each other. right? But if it's positive, you'll start to do more for the other players. You hear it all the time, right? Like guys who are really good facilitators, Uh, help players play better. And those players want to do more things like the hustle plays because they're given all these other opportunities. So what one thing that I've been thinking about here is like how far along in this professional relationship does it take for players to hit this threshold where now they want to start doing more and contributing more? Like, you know, this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy to get from, you know, we could be this, 500 level team to this potentially championship team because we're all laying it out on the line towards each other. Um sorry. It's a
1: good question. Yeah, if you have a proposed answer, go for it. I I think it's a good question. I I worry about treating it as if it's a playbook that like once we spell out how it works, then people can just plug into that formula and and therefore develop good chemistry. I'm not sure that's how it works.
0: I think that what I mean it is, um, like, not necessarily the recipe, but you know, essentially, what stage do do these interactions lead to more? You know, the giving of yourself to improve the either the relationship or the team, whatever whatever we're thinking about here.
1: You mentioned that these are human relationships, and I think that's really important to keep in mind here. Like some people just hit it off like maybe you like a sense of humor maybe you like uh, you respect their work ethic and for whatever reasons there's there's personal admiration or, or camaraderie that develops just just organically uh, it'd be like the same thing going into a a lab or, a, or a classroom and and having people that you interact with all the time some of them you're gonna just probably gravitate towards uh, so being professional and and working with people that you don't necessarily click with is something that I think can maybe overcome or or erase any kind of benefit from just merely being uh, friendly with somebody that like you just gravitate to them. But there is something about spending time together, getting to know each other's uh, inclinations, and that will help with your decision making because you can anticipate their decisions. Uh, you might strategize and and spend more time talking about different aspects of the game than you would with just somebody that, well, they're my teammate, but I don't really want to spend a lot of extra time with them. You know, we'll just follow the coach's game plan. So uh, there might be more investment in in those kind of strategies and plays. So that human factor, I think, really does matter to some degree. Uh, there's there's probably it's not going to overwhelm everything, right? Like you can be the two best friends and still not. To be able to get your, your game to sync up or to have appropriately complementary playing styles. Like, that's possible, too.
0: Yeah, I really like the, that you articulated that, especially at the end. Um, I think of this past season, uh, Russell Westbrook and Harden on the Rockets, right? Um, all In all communications, they were and still are really good friends. And they just, for whatever reason, could not turn that friendship into on-court success now they they were successful right they were an above 500 team and as you've been saying to me recently uh, maybe the game of basketball is not all about the championship maybe there are other important (laughs) values here (laughs) um but you know in terms of this narrative of championship the the rockets didn't go all the way they in fact weren't even close right and immediately after the season ended What happened? They both wanted to be traded, not just from the rockets, but from each other. So, you know, friendship doesn't always lead to success. And likewise, um, people don't even have to be friends to be successful.
1: Yeah. Do you have an example in mind?
0: I was trying to think of one and I was hoping that by elongating my phrases, (laughs) it would come to me, (laughs) but it didn't.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's right. And so uh, as as we think about these elements of chemistry, um, I I think that when the fans and commentators are talking about a team needs to learn to gel when new players come together, I think they're hoping that what will come is not just merely the familiarity with the system, but maybe we'll find some guys that do gel well and, and enjoy spending time together. There is kind of the mentality that in a locker room, it's a brotherhood or, uh, you know, some kind of a, I've heard a lot of militaristic kind of uh, analogies, but the idea that that we would die for each other and that we've got each other's backs and, you know, there's there's presumably a kind of closeness that is more than just merely co-workers. So as much as we've talked about being professional and, and learning a system, there's at least the um, presentation to those outside the locker room that there's something special there, and that seems to build in in every organization. So I'm, then the question is, yeah,
0: I was just gonna say, I'm really glad you brought that up because I have to ask, do you think that that ideology, the you know the brotherhood or the we gotta we're gonna die for each other? do you think that's tangible or do you think that it's like more on the fake side?
1: Well, that's kind of, yeah, that's exactly where I was gonna go is uh I wonder if even if you can have that kind of depth re- of relationship in every organization I wonder if it uh, extends to the whole team right you might have some people who are organically drawn and inclined towards each other will be able to really fortify their relationship and have that kind of solidarity but if people really can't stand each other, I can't imagine that that brotherhood develops despite the fact that I don't like them as a person like that just seems unfathomable to me
0: maybe there's something to that concept of uh, of the behaviors and the emotions being infectious you know we kind of talked about that on the negative side earlier right like when there's bad blood boil- brewing in the team it kind of spills over to the whole team so, like that negative culture, which could have been contained to just two or three players, kind of permeates everybody and affects the whole team's performance. And it sounds like um, it's also really possible that, you know, if you get two guys who just mesh really well on the court, um, and that they're willing to go to these lengths of like, I'll do anything for, on the court for this person, you know, like sort of building this brotherhood mentality. I could see that permeating the culture. Um, especially if the right guys do it, right? Um, <clears throat> I've never really heard this this story from LeBron or his teammates, but I do hear it all the time when the Warriors are interviewed. You know, everybody talks about how unselfish Curry and Clay are, and while Kevin Durant would agree with that, I disagree with that. Um, I, you know, every interview I've ever read about. The Warriors' culture basically stems from those two guys and how close they are, and how that uh, that behavior spreads throughout the team.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder if the uh, audience will ever get, uh, or they're probably already exhausted of us talking about the Warriors. But um, one of the reasons that Kevin Durant wanted to go there in the first place, right, was a culture. There is a culture. They do things the right way. They enjoy playing the game, and it's and it's a environment where. Everybody can come and just have fun and do their best. And then, um, as questions about whether he was going to resign with them or not lingered, and there were like blowing up questions about him having disputes with Draymond Green or whatever, it seemed like the media narratives about there being friction actually generated more friction. And uh, and we saw like there seemed to be some unraveling on the court uh, at times, even for such a dominant team. So I do think that there is something to this notion of chemistry. I just wasn't sure that we could put our fingers on what those things are.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, as we delve deeper into this, you can start to see other the other relationships that we've talked about kind of permeate here. You mentioned the media narrative, right? Essentially, that warrior's culture was broken up by that media narrative, which we addressed previously. And um, maybe the fans that fan relationship can have more influence than we've been led to believe, you know, if other sorts of influences are happening, then I wonder if the fans can also.
1: And something I just heard this past weekend, and I don't remember, I wish I could give credit, but it was one of the talking heads. And I don't remember which one was really pointing out about how uh, salaries is this unwritten rivalry in the, in the league, like guys know what each other make. And if they think that they are more deserving of a starting role or uh, maybe they are starting but making less than a bench player, like those kinds of things they said really do get under people's skin and can cause friction in the locker room. So um, the the professional and the personal are very much intertwined and it's not a, a clear cut between those.
0: Right. I mean, these guys are playing a game, but... They're doing it for their job, and so uh, that's why I find this conversation so interesting because they're playing a game. So it's sort of like you and your friends going to play basketball, but at the same time, there's stakes involved. You know, financial stakes mostly, um, and then you know whatever this meta layer of a championship means um, and
1: reputation and, stakes and
0: reputation stakes, right? So there's there has to be this professional level, right that so you have like this professionalism plus, you know, friendship and brotherhood, all these things which, you know, they should be kept separate. We all work to keep our personal and our work lives separate from each other. And these guys have to essentially merge all of these things together and make it work. Now that I've tangibilized it that way, I have more respect for the players.
1: I just want to throw out a side comment. We've definitely been focused as we always do. We focus on the NBA. That's that's where we spend a lot of our time as fans and and watching the game, but I just want to um kind of wonder and and make space for a voice for like the WNBA. Like do images like the the military or brotherhood like does that carry any kind of weight? What other what metaphors help organize those locker rooms in the WNBA? I see some of the same kind of uh, fierceness and loyalty among players, and and I've heard things about like mm. Diana Taurasi, like inspiring that kind of fierce. We would do anything for her because we know that she'd do anything for us. But I just wonder if there's a different um, set of metaphors or imagery, or if you know we can degender brotherhood and and the kind of solidarity that's that's expend, uh, experienced in the NBA. I just I'm just curious about that comparison.
0: Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought that up because every time I said, you know, brotherhood or the guys or whatever, I just kept thinking like basketball's bigger than gender.
1: Well, yeah, we we won't be able to speak uh, directly to any of the player player experiences, not being professional basketball players ourselves, and I don't know any, uh, but I think. Instead of speculating further, we'll just kind of leave those questions out there. Um, maybe people can observe the the players and see if any of these seem to ring true, true, or maybe they'll provide some feedback in the comments and other directions for us to consider. But that's probably good enough for today.